Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Thank you so much to the worship team. You guys did so well. It was such a really great time. So I can't see where you are, but I'm assuming you're somewhere around. But, but thank you. It, isn't it just a wonderful opportunity that we can come? And no matter what's been going on in life, it's just these moments and times where we can sort of just be still and really focus in on, particularly, you know, I, I love that song, You're a Good Father. And, and there's, there's times when that comes easy. And there's times when that is just, you, you sing that out of, out of pure will, you know, like out of pure, uh, man, everything in it doesn't feel it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway, and I'm going to trust that I will eventually see that. That's not my message, but you can have that for free. Um, I was thinking a couple of things uh, really up until, oh, actually, I'll be completely honest because that's how I tend to roll, is Calvin phoned me on Thursday, and I was at the zoo with our two exchange students, and he said, oh, hey, I'm just ringing to get your... Um, your sermon um, title and any slides you had, which was at the exact moment that I remembered that I had said yes to coming and speaking to you guys. So um, um, I did have a couple that I was thinking about about doing, and, and up until probably on the drive down, I was going to go another route. But I would like to just, um, if you have a Bible or if you have a device with a Bible in it, I want to go to James um, chapter 1. Pretty common, uh, not a common, but a, a, a portion of Scripture that, that I've sort of heard um, preached a bit. I particularly really enjoy it. But um, So I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to ask us a question. I really quite like to have this a bit interactive. These lights are a little bit off-putting because I can't see your faces very well. But I'd love for us to think about what it is that we know about, about James or we've heard about James. So we'll do that in just a second. But um, James chapter 1, and I'm going to start in, in verse 1. James, a slave of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to the twelve dispersed tribes, greetings. My dear family, when you find yourselves tumbling into various trials and tribulations, learn to look at it with complete joy, because you know that when your faith is put to the test, what comes out is patience. Once more, you must let patience have its complete effect, so that you may, complete, so that you may be complete and whole not falling short in anything. If any one of you falls short in wisdom, they should ask God for it, and it will be given to them. God, after all, gives generously and ungrudgingly to all people. But they should ask in faith with no doubts. A person who doubts is like a wave of the sea which the wind blows and tosses about. Someone like that should not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord, since they are double-minded and unstable in everything that they do. So, um, so James, what what do we know about James in the room? You're just like Maharangi, so quick, you know, quiet down, you know, be all right. Anyone know anything about James? 
Yep, yep. So, so what, what, what um, Sandy is referring to is that most, I mean, there's a little bit of debate, but there's a debate on everything. But um, the general consensus is this is written by James, the, the half-brother of, of Jesus. Anything else? Anyone know the city James was from? Did I hear Jerusalem? Yes, because I just said it. So James wrote, a, um, wrote this from Jerusalem. He was sort of heading the church at the time. Anything else? No, 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 that's all right. I've done this for 11 years. This is normally what we get when, we ask for, when I ask questions. Here we go. What's that? He could have been. I don't know. That's, we'll say yes. Anything else? Well, one of the things is that I really like about James, and particularly in, in looking at the background of James, is James was, write, be, was being written very early on. It's one of the very first epistles in the Bible, probably written 30 to 40 years after, after Jesus' death. What he's talking about when he says, um, written to the 12 dispersed tribes, is that, that the Christians of, of Jerusalem, this was in a period that would be probably three particularly very heavily, um, heavy periods of um, persecution. So a lot of the Christians were spread out all over, over the world. And so he was writing to them, and he was using this idea of the 12 tribes to sort of just bring together um, this idea that, that even though they're far apart, they're part of something bigger than themselves. Something else that's really important that I think makes it actually really relevant to, the, to today is the political and the economic system in which James was writing was one that feels and sounds you know, sadly quite familiar to where we are today, in which that there was an exploitation of a large majority of people who were, who were poor and, and very vulnerable, and they were being exploited by a very rich and powerful minority. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so, so we look at, when, we, when, we, when I want to read James today, there's idea that that is really relevant and it's really important. On the surface of James, it, you, you know, it can be very much at odds. One of the things that a lot of people have heard about James is, anyone heard of Martin Luther, the great reformer? Um, he didn't think much of the, bo- of the book. He actually didn't even want it in the Bible. Um, because on the surface, a lot of the Bible, well, not on the surface, it was, a lot of the New Testament was written by Paul, um, who focused a lot on the idea that we are saved um, and we're justified um, through, through grace, through faith, you know, through, in faith, in, through God's grace. And, and really, on the surface, James tend to, tends to sort of almost look at odds with it, because he talks a lot about what we do matters. A lot of what James is talking about is is actually how we act makes a difference. It's almost like James is saying um, his purpose is not telling us what to believe, but rather it's because of your faith, whatever your faith is, whatever your beliefs are, which means for us today, tonight, whatever your faith is, whatever you believe, does what you do back that? Genuine question, something I think that is really important today. Are your actions, are my actions, do do they bring authenticity to the things that I say that I believe? Do they make my faith real? Do they stack up? You know, do, is what, you know, how we walk the walk, do I talk the talk? Is it the same thing? And I think that's a really relevant 
um, question for today. I think it's what most people are looking at when we might introduce ourselves or they get to know us and they realize if you're a person of faith, they want to know is how, how you act, does that back what you say you believe? And James, the other thing about James is even though he never actually quotes Jesus, it has a very high Christology. And in fact, in James alone, there are 13 direct um, parallels to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Anyone heard of the Sermon on the Mount? A couple of us. Great. Um, in fact, this morning or this afternoon, um, our, the, the eight verses that I read, there are three actually direct correlations between the things that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount and, and what, what James has written in just these first um, eight verses. And, and even though we've had it, I'm going to try it again. Does anyone know what they are? So what I'm looking for is where James, the things that Jesus said and the things that James has said um, in the Sermon on the Mount, any, anything that sort of you can think of as the same. Those Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes are, blessed are those who... Anything? Brilliant. Joy in trials. Another one is the exhortation to be perfect. Now, that isn't an idea. The word perfect should probably be translated in be mature. You know, follow a journey of, of wholeness, becoming, becoming more and more, growing in your faith, growing in your maturity. And the third is, is to really to ask God and expect God to um, give good gifts particularly when we ask. You know, I, I, again, love that song, You're a Good Father. So, so there's some great parallels. So James is talking about, he's saying, Dear family, when you find yourselves um, tumbling into various trials and tribulations, I love the fact that he says when, because it's not a matter of if, it's when. I, I, um, I hope no one in this room has ever been sort of presented with a gospel that says, come to Jesus and everything will be all right. Um, if it is, I'd love to pray with you at the end, generally, because we all know that, that in this life, and particularly when we follow Jesus, we are, we are, um, we are going down a road, we're going down a journey that, that includes um, and that we, could, we can expect um, that we will have trials of many kinds. A, lot, a couple other translations say troubles of many kinds, tests and challenges that come at you from all sides, um, that we can learn from them with complete joy. You know, the, the, the idea of that is, I, I like to think of it as not, not that, yes, my life is horrible, woohoo. It's not that kind of joy. I think what he's talking about is that we can expand, we can get to a place where we can expand our perspective of what's going on, even in difficult times, to know that there is, we, we serve a God or we, we, we love a God who is able to take any situation, any circumstance, and, and we can grow and come closer to him through all of that. Because that we know, in verse 3, it says, because we know that. And, and sometimes we actually just have to remind ourselves in the midst of a hard time. So that we remind ourselves that when our faith is tested, um, we can answer the question, is my faith real? Do I actually believe what I say I believe? And, it's, and really the challenge of our faith is to not be like we read, what I read this, this, this just a minute ago, was that our faith, um, the challenge of faith, is not to be a wave. So again, I'm going to ask another question. What are waves when it comes to the ocean? How are they made? Science class now. Wind. What else? 
No, one more thing. I heard it. Tides. Wonderful. I wish I had chocolate. At, at our church, I give out chocolate for right answers. It's condition training, so I should um, do that more often. Um, tide and, and wind. You know, and so we've all been, I would imagine so, if we're, if we're honest, we've all been in situations where we've had those problems like, like the wind that, have, that just come out of nowhere. You don't know where it's happened. You don't know, and all of a sudden, life just turns upside down. And then we also have experienced the tides. I was writing this and I was thinking of, I had a very brief stint. I live in Algies Bay. I live like from here to the car park away from the ocean. I had a couple, three, we have three kids and I thought, oh, I need to have a boat. You have to have a boat when you live in Algies Bay. And so I had a very brief stint of owning a boat. It was the worst decision I've ever made. I've never spent more money um, on, on a device that caused more stress in my life. I used to look out. I, I hated it. I was scared to death to being out there in the ocean. Um, even when I could see the land, I used to fret about having to put the boat in the water. I used to fret about getting it out. When I was out there, I used to fret that the engine would start. Um, and one of the things I got on to was the fact that if I could go out and see any sense of movement in the water, that was an appropriate excuse not to go out. Um, and, so, and then I heard from someone say, you know, if you see whitecaps even a little bit from your house, you know, they're going to be way bigger when you're out there. So that was amazing. And so after a couple of years, I sold the boat from being in my garage for two years and, and moved on. But there's this idea that, that wind, the wind and tides come through life, and they come from nowhere. And then with a, the idea with a tide is a tide is a deep pull. Um, it's one of those things that, that is really deep within us. And we have those troubles and trials as well. From, for me and my life, one of the deepest tidal trials and troubles I've, I've had and continue to have started when I was probably about eight or nine years old. And, it's where, and it was this idea of a deep fear. And I have struggled with fear, and fear has been a, a, a sort of a dominating, obviously, with my boat experience as well, but I just thought about that. Um, fear has been one of those things that I have wrestled with, and it's been an internal narrative all my life. At eight or nine, I, I somehow got onto a theology that when I turned 10 into double digits, um, if I died, I would go straight to hell. But, but if I died before I was 10, um, then I was a child, and I could get straight into heaven for free. And so um, great theology, not at all. And then I remember thinking, oh, no, you're still a child at 10. It's just when you're, when you're the age has a teen in it. So I gave myself three, three more years till I was 13. And then I realized I sort of had to go through. But this idea of fear has always been one of those things that sort of um, plagued my life and kind of been going through. And yet, as I grow up, obviously at 45, um, I'm, I don't go to bed fearful of of dying, or I don't, and I have sort of my, my theology and my life and my understanding of who God is isn't one that, that I've kind of grown, I've sort of still worried about that. I've grown, I've developed, my character has, has increased. Um, and this is, this, this is the idea of what I think what James is talking about through trials and hard times is that we have, it gives us an opportunity to develop a character, a steadfastness, a solidness, assuredness. Um, and, and when I was writing these notes, that's sort of where I stopped. And then I was kind of thinking, but, but is that all the character that God's wanting to develop in us? 
What else are the trials and hard times of life are, are designed to develop within us? Again, I'm going to put it out there because you've been so responsive and so good. So what else? Wonderful wisdom, discernment. I've written down kindness. Do you know, I, I want the trials and tribulations of my life to develop kindness. I want to continue to be kinder, not, not harsher. Anything else? Yeah, a resilience and not giving up. Gratitude. Wonderful, gratitude. Not taking less and less for granted in life. Like, like not thinking of the good things that come along that I'm owed them. Wonderful. Beautiful. Humility. Empathy. Excellent. Being able to, being able to go through, so, stand with someone else in their hard time and, and be with them. Know that they're not alone. I put forgiveness. Man, I don't want any of my trials and hard times in my life to, to um, take away the truth that I have been forgiven of so much. And part of that is, is I have... I have a challenge to forgive others. I put tenderheartedness, generosity. You know, I wanted to play, I put a note here in, in when I was writing this, is, you know, we have to remind ourselves sometimes that, that actually being a follower of Jesus, our goal isn't to just survive. Our, our goal or our challenge is to thrive. You know, we've been placed, you've been placed in your workplace to thrive. To, to make a difference, to represent Jesus and the hope that he, that he is to the people around us. And so verse 5, it goes on to say, how am I going for time? Yep. Verse 5 just says this really briefly, and then, then I'm going to be finished. And then there's a couple of things I love to, um, to pray, or I feel like God's saying, is, is that if anyone falls short, I really feel like I'd like to critique James in the same way that he started. It shouldn't be if anyone. Maybe it's not James. Maybe it's the translators. Um, it's not if we fall short of wisdom. It's when we fall short of wisdom. You know, all of us need wisdom. For me personally, this has become probably in the last year of my life, I've kind of journeyed through what has been, I think, the most disappointing season of, of my life. I have um, just, do you know how, well, maybe you don't, but, but I've had this, I, I kind of was going down this road and, and what I thought was going to be amazing and great and fruitful and, and exciting turned out to be the exact opposite. And it was so disappointing, so difficult and so hard. And, and I spent probably a good I don't know, eight, eight months at least, um, really spending a lot of energy, mental energy. I have the spiritual gift of stewing. So like when things go rough, I go round and round in my head. I have, I have arguments in my head. I have, you know, confrontations in my head. I always win them, you know, but, but uh, they're, they're, it's really hard. And this, so probably eight or nine months of really definitely battling with this, what is, was a great disappointment. Um, my heart was really hard toward, um, toward people. Um, I was upset with God. I didn't know what was going on. 
And, and really, so it was a lot of time, it was a lot of energy, and then it was a lot of money as well. And to add insult to injury, it cost me a fortune to walk through all this. I have a, a supervisor, and, and he charges a lot of money per hour. Um, and, and so I spent so much time talking to him about this, this one situation and circumstance. And, and so probably eight or nine months through, I kind of felt like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm winning at this. I feel, like, I feel like this is, I've kind of journeyed through it. And um, as life is, just one of those things that, I still don't know why it happened, but, but, but I actually felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm, this isn't going to be the thing that takes me out. This isn't going to be the thing that, that, you know, closes my heart toward other people. This isn't the thing that, that um, makes me less committed to being generous and kind and loving to other people. It's not the thing that's going to allow me or stop me from singing, you're a good, good father. I'm going to overcome this. And, 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 and I really thought I did. And then about a month, oh, maybe three weeks ago, I got this phone call from someone. And, and you know when you get these things and, they, and it all came back? It's just like, oh, man. I just thought, what a waste of money. <laughs> like I've spent all that money talking about it to a, to a counselor, and it's just all come back to me. And then, and then there was a reminder of, and, oh, and then all of the, the stewing came back, and I started having my internal conversations and conflicts in my head again. Um, and that was, I think that phone call happened on a Friday, which was my day off as well. It was, was, made it all the worse. Um, and by Monday, or excuse me, by Sunday, I was kind of like, no, this isn't, this isn't going to be me. This isn't going to be my reality. This isn't going to be my next eight months. I'm not going to do it. And so just had a time of, of just really spending some time with God and, and really going to him for the wisdom. It's God, man, you've been with me for the last eight months. You know, like, I don't want to go there, and I'm sure you don't either. Help me get through it. And it was just really an opportunity to pray. And, and by Monday, it was so great to be, able to, to be able to be back to saying, no, this, this isn't who I am. This isn't what I'm going to go through. And to really feel God's, um, God's help in the midst of it, to feel free from it, to feel that I can step back and, and have that perspective. I want to finish with um, reading from... Really, one of my, my heroes is N.T. Wright, and it's a, and it's a bit of a, um, a commentary on this, um, but particularly on this idea of going to God and asking him for wisdom. And he says this, but how do I know God will give, will give it to me, meaning the wisdom that we ask for? And here is the secret of faith, patience, and wisdom as they combine. We, we get to the very heart of what James is wanting to say. God gives generously and ungrudgingly to all who ask. Verse 5. How easy is it for us to imagine that God is stingy and mean? We project onto the maker of all things the fearful, the petty, and even the spiteful character that we may meet so often in real life, and even sometimes that we look at when we look into the mirror. Learning who God really is and what he's truly like and reminding ourselves of it regularly is the key to it all. Without that, we'll probably be double-minded, swept this way one minute, and that the next. You'll probably just be another wave. And so I really wanted to end um, 
our talk and how, am I all right for time? Good. Um, with on the drive down, I, I was kind of listening to Ed Sheeran, as you do, and, and he was singing a song about being at a party, and, and I really, I felt like, um, you know the song? There we go. See, now if I ask what the name of the song is, would I get it? But yeah. But, but I really felt like God said um, that there are some people here who, who feel like um, you're, you're always at someone else's party and you never really feel like you were invited. And so, um, and then the other thing, uh, as I was driving through, we kind of coming down from the motorway, and I noticed on the side of the road, um, there's that green stuff that they spray on the side of hills and stuff, which is like a, it's a real sticky um, substance that they spray on banks when, um, because the earthworks have stopped. To keeps the erosion away, and so there's grass seed and everything in there. And I noticed that on the side of one of the trees, it was sprayed um, with a whole bunch of this sticky stuff, and kind of the thought just came through my head, well, grass is never going to grow there. Um, it was stuck onto the side of a tree. And I really felt like the other thing is that maybe there, there are some people here that someone along the way through, our, through your life has sprayed something spoken something on you that has stuck that actually I don't think was ever meant to be there. And I really think that God would love to see that taken off you. So if either one of those things um, are for you, can you just put your hand up? And then I thought what we'll do is, if it is, maybe just have some people around you just, just to pray really, really briefly, and, um, and yeah, that's how we can, Calvin will come up in a minute, but, but do either one of those things mean anything to anyone? Cool, so there's a couple of hands, so if you've seen, maybe, sorry, put them up one more time, look around, so we're, we're a vineyard, so everyone gets to play, so that means if you have a pulse and you see someone with their hand up, um, why don't you just go and Stand next to them, and then I'll, I'll lead us, and then maybe we can, um, and then you can pray. So there's someone at the back and someone just over here. Anyone else? All right, so now I'd like to see some people physically move and go over to the guy standing at the back would be wonderful. And, and you've got some people over here. So I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for, I thank you so much for this um, Passages of Scripture in James. I thank you that that you you remind us over and over again that this life will have difficulties, it will have struggles, it will have hard times. And yet, God, there is there is something incredible about your redeeming nature that even in difficult times, you have amazing things in store for us. And so, God, I pray for these two amazing people and their courage to respond. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would now come. Rest heavy on them. God, would you bless um, what it is, who they are, what it is you're doing in their life. God, I thank you that as you see us, you you see us as, as who we were always meant to be. God, I thank you that 
that when you see us, you, um, you love us, that we have a place with you, that with you, we're never an uninvited guest at your party. We've never snuck in. And God, with you, and your truth and your love, you're able to to wipe away even the stickiest of lies that have gone deep within us. You're able to set us free from, from the stickiest things that follow us around. Those things that, are, that can hold us back. That can keep us from your love from your truth, from your mercy. So, Father, I thank you for these wonderful people here. I pray that as they go into their week ahead, that you would go with them. I pray that as they encounter the winds of trouble and the tides of difficult times, God, that you would, that their faith would be true, that they would cling to you as their wisdom and as their hope. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.